Welcome to the Grove. Uh, thanks for being with us online, for being here at the Grove Central. I love this week and what it represents. So today is Palm Sunday. It kicks off uh, the Holy Week or the Passion Week, and it's just so important. This, this week, it changes everything in history, and I'm excited to be able to share that with you. So I got my uh, shirt on. It has some palm trees on it to represent for Palm Sunday. Do you have yours? Why not? Come on, people. Just kidding. Thanks for being here with us. So uh, in the scriptures, in the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four Gospels, they put a significant amount of time into this week, all right? So almost half of all the Gospels, so some have more, some have less uh, than, than that amount, but about, around half of the Gospels talk about just this last week. So the, the, out of all the chapters in the four Gospels, there's a little part that talks about, the percentage that talks about the birth of Jesus, right, when he was a child. And there's a good chunk, majority of it is really from, um, from age 30 until 33. That's another big part of this, the Gospels. But then the majority of it would be the last week of Jesus' life. So everybody's, when, everybody's, when anybody is writing something that's significant, what they write the most about is really saying, don't miss this. It's really, really important. And so for the Passion Week, it's significant. The importance of it, of what took place, is that we don't want to miss. And today we're going to kick that off because in, in scriptures, the Palm Sunday would have been what kicked off uh, the, 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 the Passion Week of what's going to take place uh, this whole week. And so I'm excited for that because uh, next week is Easter. And uh, I don't, don't want to miss that. So I'm glad you're here for Palm Sunday. Glad you're tuning in. Uh, but Easter is a big deal. Make sure you come. It's kind of like Easter is kind of like a Super Bowl for Christians, right? But here's the difference. In the Super Bowl, you never know who's going to win. Easter, we know who wins, right? And it's like, we, it, yeah, so it's a, it's a cool Super Bowl Sunday for us because it's, we win every, every single Easter. It's a celebration of the fact that Jesus conquered the death. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. And not just that. He didn't just stay dead, but he's alive now to help us, to show us. And we, that's why we follow him. So next week is really important. But this week kicks it off, and so we're going to talk about that. So I can imagine Palm Sunday. Let me give you a little perspective of what Palm Sunday would have been, okay? Um, so we call it Palm Sunday um, because of what took place and the story that we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but for them, it was really the beginning of what a festival they called Passover. And so in Jerusalem, uh, they, they say that that city would have tripled in size during this week. So there's three major festivals in the Jewish scriptures where, where God asked the people of Israel to, to come back to Jerusalem for certain festivals, for certain sacrifices, and things like that. So this would have been the first one, the first major one, which would have been Passover. And so people from all around, different cities and, and countries would travel back for this festival, back to Jerusalem to be a part of it. And so you can just imagine the buzz, right? So imagine if Santa Fe tripled in size over a weekend or over a week, right? Um, in some cases, we, we don't have quite that much, but there's some certain things that take place that we get a little bit of a larger crowd, and it's kind of like a buzz, right? Just, everybody's kind of excited what's going on. They're coming back for festivals. But here's the thing. They would do this for years and for centuries, right? This always went on. They just always did this. And um, I'm sure sometimes they would have been like, well, is this year going to be any different from last year? And is last year going to be any different? They, could, they probably would have been asking this question. Uh, when will things get better, right? As they, as they were going back for, for this Passover, they're thinking, when will things get better? When will things improve? Because for them, they were under the, the, the Roman rule, right? So they were oppressed by the Roman government. And so um, poverty was rampant for, for Jewish people, okay? And so they, they would, I'm sure their, their question was, we're coming to celebrate, we're coming back to celebrate Passover, a miracle that God did for our ancestors years ago. And so, but when is it going to happen for us? When will things get better, right? Um, when is this year going to be different? And not realizing it, it was going to be a different year. It would change everything for them. So maybe today you're Maybe because of COVID, maybe because of the elections, maybe because of whatever. Maybe even before COVID, it was you had maybe some challenges in your life, and you're thinking, when will things get better? When when are things going to change for us? When when is finally when God going to finally show up? When when will things improve? 
Have you ever had that sense of when, when is things going to get better? You would be able to relate with the people of Israel in that day because they were thinking that. We, we don't have the ability to do what we want to do because others are here controlling and telling us what to do. When will, when will it change? When will it get better? And so they lived with this all the time, right? And they're wondering, when is, when is God going to show up? The scriptures promise there's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a king that comes. When, when is he going to come to help us? He's done in the past, but is he going to do it soon for us? So, um, so Palm Sunday would have been leading up to, to Easter uh, to pass over to the crucifixion of Jesus on Good Friday, which we call Good Friday. So let's talk about that. What, what does that day look like? Well, all four Gospels, they record this account, right? So every, every single Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell a, a perspective about this story of Palm Sunday. It's known as the triumphal entry, okay? And we'll talk about that in a little bit, what that means. But um, they call it the triumphal entry. But each of them record this. And what's interesting is each, each gospel writer talks to a different audience, right? So one, one writer, Matthew, is writing to the religious, to the to people that would be Jewish. Another writer um, is writing to the, to the Greeks, right, to be, that would be Gentiles. And they tell different aspects of Jesus' story because they're communicating to a specific audience. So there's certain details that one audience didn't need to know that other audience needed to know. And so then when they wrote this, they, were, they had that in mind. And so that's why you'll get these different perspectives, perspectives of Palm Sunday, which I love. So we're going to hit each of the Gospels and the different things that they point out to us to help us see this. All right, so um, here's, here's the challenge, right? Um, if you can guess what my challenge to you today will be today, um, I'll take you for a burger or for a steak, all right? So if you can figure it out, because you're going to be like, where did that come from? I had no idea what he was talking about, right? Like, that, that's not – so first service, nobody guessed it. I don't know the mistake, right? So I upped it. I said coffee, but they're like, nobody came talking talk to me. So we'll up it. Let's get a steak if you can figure out what I'm going to talk about today, right? It'll be fun. It'll be a fun journey to go on. Uh, but let's start with the Gospel of Matthew where he talks about Palm Sunday and what it, what it was about. So Matthew 21, uh, it says this. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. So Matthew starts off talking about uh, this, this, what's going to take place. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem, and he's going to ride on a donkey, all right? And it says a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So they were taking the branches off the of palm trees, and they begin to put them. That's why it's called Palm Sunday, right? People are there, they're, they're essentially praising and recognizing Jesus as, as king. So um, up until this point, every time the, the disciples or Jesus' family members or other, other people that, that he did a miracle for, want to want to celebrate him as Messiah or as king, he always tells them, no, it's not the time yet. Like, hey, don't go tell everybody. What's interesting, Jesus would do a miracle, and then they would come and say, you're, you're the Messiah. You're like, you have all power to heal things and change things. You're the Messiah. And he'd be like, hey, don't go tell everybody. And then what they go do? They would go tell everybody. And then all the crowds would, would get really big, and he'd have to leave that city, go to a different city, because then he couldn't operate anymore and do his ministry because it was just overwhelmed by the crowds. So he was always saying, hey, it's not my time yet. Don't make a big deal. Like, I'm here as, as God to serve you, but it's not my time to let everybody else know that. So this is the first time in the Gospels that he actually allows his disciples and other people to recognize him as Messiah, as king, which is a big deal. And so he's, he's, he's going to come in, and it says they got these branches, and they got their cloaks, put them on the floor, which they would do this for royalty. If there was ever a royal person coming into the city, they would put their, clo- their coats down so they don't walk on the, on the dirt, right? And they'd put down palm branches to celebrate it. So he's riding in. So essentially, they're saying... Here is our king, and he comes in. And it says that the, the crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed, they shouted. And they began to say things, right? And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, what they shouted. Um, so that's Matthew. He's talking about how, how these crowds are there. We're going to point out a few different people that were present in that day. But here's what John says. John 12 says, The next day the crowd that had come from the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. 
So the reason this is so significant, John wants us to know there's a lot of people. One, they're for the festival, right? The festival we're talking about is Passover. So the, the city has now tripled in size. And he says they've come. But here's what's really significant. Just a few days before this, right, just shortly before this, um, there's a, 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 a verse in the, in the scripture. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. And it says this, Jesus wept. So Jesus is fully God. He's fully human. And, it, and, and the, John records that he, he cried, and he cried at the news of his friend dying. So they came to him and said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is about to die. And then they come and say, you don't have to come to town no more. He died. And it says as soon as he got the word that his friend died, he cried. And then he stayed in that city for three days and then eventually made, it, made his way back to where Lazarus was. And then three days later, he shows up at, to, to the tomb of Lazarus, and he meets his sister, Martha and Mary, and he talks to them, makes this famous statement that's what Easter is all about. He says, I am the resurrection and the life, right? Those who believe me, they'll, they'll, never, they'll never go wrong. He says, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm here to help. And they're thinking, well, you're too late, Jesus. He's been dead for three days. People are thinking, what's he going to do? Right? He's healed the blind. He did all these miracles for others. He healed the sick. If he was here on time, he would have been able to heal Lazarus. And he says, he goes to the tomb and says, hey, Lazarus, come, come forth. Like, you're, come, come back to life. So you can imagine the crowd, right? If you're there and we go to some, some funeral home or something and we, we go to the, one of the, 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 the caskets and they've been dead for three days, one, they're going to be like, ah, oh, you're probably going to be like, it's not gonna, the smell not going to be the best. It's not going to be very good. And we would say, hey, come back to life. And that person got out of the casket. We'd be like, what in the world just happened, right? And they would have freaked out. And so when it says the, 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 the great crowds came, part of it is because they've been coming from all these different places. And now somebody says, you'll never guess what happened. A few days ago, there was this guy who was dead. And this, this man named Jesus, he came to the grave and he said, hey, Lazarus, come back to life. Come out of the, out of the tomb. And Lazarus came out of the tomb wearing his grave clothes. Everybody was going to be like this crazy thing. And we were freaking out, right? So you can imagine like the, 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 the word in the town, right? They're just kind of talking to each other, sharing what took place a few days before. And they're all thinking, wow, so this Jesus, is he really the Messiah? Because other guys have like stepped up and they got killed by the Romans, right? They weren't really the Messiah. Maybe this guy's just another one of those. And so they're, they're, they begin to share the, the word of what's going to take in place. And so these crowds are beginning to look for him. Like, where is this Jesus? When is he going to show up? Is our time finally to be set free from Roman captivity? Is this going to finally happen? What's interesting about Paul on Sunday is um, for them, it'd be the, the, the month of Nisan. So the, the Hebrew months, uh, it'd be the first month of, called Nisan as opposed to Honda. All right. So if you have a Nisan, you're like, that's a joke. Okay. Bad joke. So Nisan, the 10th, 10th day of Nisan, they would select the lamb for Passover, which then be sacrificed a few days later. So when Jesus is showing up, he's, it's significant because he's saying, you guys are selecting the lamb that's going to be sacrificed, right? So there's all these this, this, um, this great prophecies that are taking place within the story of Jesus. So he shows up, right, to, as, as the, and he even calls himself, I am the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus is our lamb. He's our sacrifice. That's what, what Easter, Passover, Good, Good Friday is about. And so um, he shows up onto the scene on, on that day, and he marches into Jerusalem where they're, they're declaring that he is king. And this is what they say. They took some palm branches, went out to meet him, and they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the king of Israel. So this is a Hebrew word that is two words. It means save now. So essentially it's like save us now is the word that they would be saying. So save now is their need, right? Their need of a savior, their need of somebody to do something for them. And they heard God can feed people. God can heal people. God can bring people back from the dead, obviously, now. Like he has everything we need. So you're the Messiah. You, you can take care of our needs. Why don't you do it now? Save now. 
And they were, they were actually quoting a, a, a prophecy in Scripture in Psalms 118. So some of the Psalms throughout the Bible, they, they have a lot of messianic um, um, imagery where they're talking about what Jesus can accomplish. So some of the words Jesus said on the cross, they're recorded in the Psalms. And, and it's showing that when the Messiah comes, there's going to be some certain things that he's going to say and do. This is one of them. So it actually prophesies this is going to take place. And Psalms 118, it's the Messianic Psalm. This is what it says, right? It says, he says, from the house of the Lord, uh, Lord save us, Lord grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. So Jesus also declared that he's the light of the world, right? He's come to give us light, to shine in our darkness. When you're going through something difficult, like darkness, like is a, this, this picture of, of something that's miserable, something that you just don't know what's going on in life. Maybe you've gone through a season where you just don't know what to expect or what to do. That'd be like a season of darkness, right? So he's saying, even in those seasons, I've come to bring light so you can see. And, and they're, they're declaring this, that he's our Messiah to bring us light. He is our Messiah that's going to bring us hope. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're waiting for him. So they're declaring through prophecy, through their words, that this is Jesus. He's the Messiah. That he is who, who God promised. And so they, 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 they go on. I love John who records this. In John 12, he says, fear not. Fear not, daughters of Zion. Daughter of Zion is just another uh, name that they would say for Israel, right? And so, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. So, John is pointing back to a prophecy in Zechariah that says when the Messiah comes, he's going to come riding into Jerusalem, but he's not going to come on a mighty horse. He's going to come on a small little colt of a donkey, right? So, a foal of a donkey that has, has, has been ridden. And so, what I love is he includes this word, fear not. I don't know about last year. I, I don't know about you if you had ever had some fear pop up in your life. Maybe even now, right? Different things that you, that, you, that you encounter. Fear. So throughout the Bible, this is the most frequently repeated command that you'll find in Scripture. More than any other command, you're going to find fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Fear not. In fact, it's repeated so many times that you have one for every single day of the year. So you could find this, this command 365 times in the Bible. I don't think that's an accident or I don't think it's a coincidence. God knew that we as people, this is one of the emotions that we're going to face the most in life. The fear of the unknown, fear of what's coming. Right? Last, last year with COVID, even now maybe some people are still have some fear in that. When it began to happen, some people were beginning to think like, wow, is this the end, right? What, what's going to take place? Am I going to catch this? Am I going to die? What's going to take place and happen? And fear creeps in. So if you ever find yourself in a situation where you're fearful, maybe tomorrow, just know there's a scripture for tomorrow that says, don't be afraid, fear not. And the day after that, there's another scripture that says, don't be afraid, fear not. And throughout the whole year, for every single day, God has given us a command not to fear. In fact, a lot of times when he would show up to ask somebody to do something for him, one of the commands would be, fear not, don't be afraid, I'm going to be with you. Or when an angel would show up to uh, uh, give a message to somebody, like, imagine you're in their position, right? This big angel comes, shows up. You're kind of freaked out. Like, you've seen this in the movies, right? Like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And, and you're thinking, like, they're going to kill me, right? Like, I, I'm dead, dead. And the first thing the angel usually says is, hey, hey, calm down. You're not, right? Whoa, whoa, don't be afraid. Don't get ahead of what's going on. You're jumping to conclusions. Slow down. I'm actually here for a good thing. I'm here to bring you a good, good news. And fear a lot of times comes because of the unknown. If we jump ahead of the story. We get a diagnosis, we get something, and we begin to think, wow, down the road where it's going to be a bad thing. And God is saying, no, don't fear. Let it unfold. Trust me in the middle of what you're going through. Don't fear. So every single day, fear not. So he says the daughter of Zion. I love that. It's the imagery of, of a father speaking to their, their, their kid, right? Like, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. 
when it's dark, I'm here. You don't be afraid. All those little shadows, they're not boogeyman. They're just a shadow of something else. Let me help you to see what you don't see. Fear not. Behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. He comes on a donkey. Um, what's interesting about, about the donkey is uh, whenever a ruler would come into a city, if they rode a donkey, it was during peacetime. And whenever a ruler would come in on a horse, that meant it was wartime. And when they would choose their animals, they would want the highest horse you could find, right? And so um, they're, they're looking for to, to show how, how, how important they are, how they're the top dog, right? And so in fact, they still do this. They measure horses by hands, right? They figure out how many hands. So if you're the king, you'd want a couple hands higher than the next commander, like the highest commanding officer. And if you're the commanding officer, you want yours to be a little higher than the next one that's down, right? To the point of where um, you, you, you're, it's your status of how high your horse is. And Jesus, he chooses one of the smallest types of horse that you can ride, a donkey, right? Not even a horse, but just the donkey, an animal you could ride. It's, and it's this colt. He's even even the, 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 the kid of, a, of, another, of another donkey. And he rides that. He comes in, which is, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So John 12, he finished by saying this. At first, the disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So John, the, the disciple, is writing this, and he says, hey, guys, just so you know, at first, we didn't even believe Jesus. Like, we didn't even know what was going on. We didn't understand all of what was taking place. And they said after he died, and he came back to life, and he came and met with them 40 days and taught them more. All of a sudden, it was like the scriptures made sense. Like, oh, that prophecy and that prophecy, and oh, that's what he was saying, and that's what that meant. And they totally missed a lot of what he was saying because they were thinking – this, this, this person is for me. He, he's, he's here to serve my needs, right? He's here to take care of all mine. They didn't realize that God was trying to do something bigger. So when Jesus picks his, even when he picks his, the, the, the animal he's going to ride, it's, it's a colt. It's, it's the God of the universe who could, with a flick of his fingers, take everything out. He doesn't. He comes all power into the little innocent baby and then grows up like us to understand us and eventually gives his life on the cross for us. But he comes in humility. Instead of as a champion, as, as a warrior on a, on a warrior horse, he comes as a humble servant on a donkey's colt, and he rides into, into it. So in, if you fast forward to the end of Scripture, Jesus does come again a second time, and he's not riding a donkey's colt. He's riding what? A horse, a warrior's horse, which means he's coming to establish his kingdom. He's coming for war, not for peace. This first one is peace. He's trying to bring peace between us and God. The second one, he's bringing his kingdom. In all of the might that they were hoping for, he's going to come again and bring all that. So you've heard, maybe you've heard this, this phrase. If you're, you're going to follow Jesus, you have, to, you have to become a person who will get off your high horse. You ever heard somebody say that? Get off your high horse? So really what it means is don't let pride keep you from thinking, keep you, make you think you're better than others, right? So we need to get off our high horses. What this means is many people, they miss Jesus because they were looking for the wrong thing, right? They were wanting Jesus to be something different than what he was. They were wanting God to make their life easier. That's why the crowds would gather. They wanted more food because they were poor. There was poverty. It was, it, was, it was real. They were struggling. They were sick. They wanted somebody to be a savior and to heal them, right? They were wanting God to make their life easier. And if we're honest, that's usually what we want from God the most too. Make my life easier. Don't let me struggle, right? But, but a lot of times that's just a form of pride because we're saying I want, you to do, I want you to do things for me my way and my timing. And God says you have no idea what you're asking. Because sometimes the things we pray for actually would be really harmful to us if we answered all those prayers. It's a form of pride saying, I will control things my way, my timing, the way I want it, when I want it. And God is saying, that's not good for you. You need to get off your high horse, just like I did, 
and come in with, with the humility, trusting and knowing that my timing is better than your timing. So he invites us. So that's one of the first things is we need God to save us, but we also need to begin to be humble like him and take off, get off, get off our, let our pride to the side, right? Get off our high horses. So Luke goes on and he says this. Luke 19, he says, now the crowd was with him. So now Luke's can tell us a different perspective. And when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to, to, to spread the word. So this group of people that actually saw Lazarus dead come back to life, they began to tell everybody, right? And so they were there. They were there during this day. And it says that many people, because, of the, of, because they had what he had done, they had, he performed this sign of Lazarus, they went out to meet him. So there's the people, eyewitnesses that saw it. And then there's a group of people now who are coming because others told them about it, and they want to see Jesus for themselves. Uh, so they come. And then there's another group. So the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. A little exaggeration, right? Some hyperbole. But this is how they felt. Jesus was, was winning the crowd, and they were losing power. You ever met someone like that? They just want more power, so they're going to do whatever they can to keep it. I think this last year, a lot, a lot of things are revealed like that. When people are in power, they, they, they only use it for themselves. That's what the Pharisees are trying to do. They're trying to control things. And these three groups of people were looking for something different in Jesus. They were all looking for something different. You know, when, when he was being for them what they wanted, they gave him palms and they gave him praise. But as soon as he was giving them what they needed, they gave him thorns and a lot of cursing in our lives. When God is who we want him to be, typically there's praise and hopefully there's thanksgiving and appreciation for what he does in our lives. But when he does things that we don't want or we don't think we want or need, a lot of times we get angry and frustrated with God, right? So in your life, is there more praise or is there more thorns when it comes to God? Do you think of God as a loving father who's guiding you during no matter what you face? Or is it kind of like, man, he, he should just do, get on, get on, get on my, my page, right, and do what I want him to do? But here's the thing. The people wanted him to, for food and wanted him for miracles. But as soon as he wanted them to talk about sin and talk about things they were doing wrong, it's like, no, no, hey, we just want, we want the externals fixed. And he's saying, no, no, I didn't come for just the externals. We'll take care of that. We'll help you with those things. But I came for the internal things. We need to deal with this issue of, of sin and pride. And that's why he came. Uh, Tim, Timothy Keller, he, he says this. He says, if you're God, if he never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Too many people, they worship a God who doesn't disagree with them. It's always the God that they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. That's not God. That's an ideal version of ourself. I meet people and they say, well, you know, I can't believe in that kind of God. And I'm just like, like I, I can't believe in a God like that. And, like, and I'm like, what, you, what kind of God are you talking about? And typically they'll just explain, describe the God, and I'll be like, I'm with you. I don't believe in that God either. That's a horrible God. Why would, you ever, why would anybody want to believe in that? Let me tell you about the God I believe in. He's a God who gave up everything to come down into humanity to help us, to show us a better way. That's the God I believe in. He's pretty awesome. The people of Israel, one of the reasons they got taken into captivity, one of the reasons things didn't go well for them is because they stopped worshiping the true God, and they began to make other versions of God that would suit their needs, that would allow them to do whatever they wanted, to be able to have the pleasure they wanted to have without any kind of recourse or repercussion. But God says, even when you choose that, you can't escape the consequences of your choices. So in our lives, when we look at Palm Sunday, we have to ask the question, is, is the God I'm, I'm believing in, is, is he just doing everything that I want? Or sometimes he's saying, hey, that's not good for you. You know, that's not going to work out well. I, we need to serve the God that says, I, I'm going to be for who, who you need, not just what you want. The God that we make up in our own minds, ideal version, is usually just the external gods that take care of all these things here. God of the Bible is always saying, let's start inside first, and then we'll talk about the outside. It always starts on the inside. 
So Jesus, Mark, he picks up and he says this uh, in the story. When they went out and they found a coal outside of the street, tied to a door, doorway, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that coal? So uh, Mark is telling us the story is just a little before. Jesus, before he sends them, he tells them, you're going to go to this other village over to the side, and, um, and you're going to go to this, this house. There's going to be a, 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 col- a donkey and his colt next to her. Next to her. Go and, and bring them to me. And when somebody asks you, what are you doing, tell them the master needs them. Right? Jesus needs this, 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 these donkeys, and they'll, they'll give it to you. And so when it says, what are you doing untying that colt, essentially they're saying, hey, what are you doing with my donkey? Like, what are you going to do with it? Right? Like, where are you taking it? And they tell them, God's gonna, God needs it. Let me use it. So they answer as Jesus told them. And the people let them go. The people allowed them to, to use it. So interesting facts. So, so Jesus rides on a donkey into, into, the, into Jerusalem, right? As, as a way to show he is king, he is Messiah, he's fulfilling prophecy. Uh, but interesting fact about donkeys is uh, donkeys, well, they have really long ears, right? That's good to hear, but also to, to help them cool. Their favorite thing to do is to roll in the dirt, roll in the mud, right? I'll probably also help them keep them cool and just get feel dirty and just have fun. Um, but... What's really interesting is in our world, more people are killed by donkeys than by plane crashes. Anybody afraid of flying? You should be more afraid of donkeys, all right? Just so you know. Plane crashes, they kill people, but donkeys kill more people than plane crashes, right? Just interesting fact. I, some of the financial people are like, I fear planes, but I don't fear donkeys. And donkeys are actually more dangerous for us than planes, right? So in our lives, he chooses a donkey. So when I said you won't be able to guess what I'm asking you to do. Just like those, those they were most likely disciples. They were people who believed in Jesus because they protected their identity. Because um, if, if um, they were caught helping, helping somebody that was like a Messiah or somebody that was rising up, they would be, they would be outcast. They'd be ostracized from the Jewish community. And so when, when they went to him, it says that they allowed them to use the donkey. So here's my challenge, right, for, for us today is would you let God use your donkey? Would you get, let God use your donkey? What I mean by that is um, maybe, maybe in this case it was a literally donkey, but in our lives there's things that we have that God would like to use to make an impact in other people's lives. So sometimes it's, it's resources. It's, it could be our talents. It could be our gifts. It could be a kind word. It could be our relationships, right, that we have that we, we allow God to use to help others, transport people to G, or Jesus to people. Um, for us as a church, we sponsor kids in Haiti. There's 100, 100 kids who get – a food every single day that, that go to school, they get food at school that we support for $10. It costs $10 a month to support a kid through Feed One, and, and we've done this for years, right, as a church. So our donkey is finances. Like that, that is the, the, the vehicle we use to get food to these kids. The purpose is not just so they can eat. That, that's, a, that's really important. But it's so they don't have to be on the streets looking for food or, or scavenging, looking for things. They could be at school learning, which means if they get an education, they could break the, the cycle of poverty in their family's life. So we... As a church, come together and say, let's support some kids in Haiti. So for us, our finances are donkeys. Our prayers can be, don- can be a donkey that transport Jesus to people, right? In your life, what are those things? You know, this, um, this, last, um, this last year, we had a, a family in our church. Their, their father uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And for the last year, he was battling with it. And um, a few weeks back, um, he passed from it. And so yesterday, we had a funeral. And I was able to have the privilege of being a part of the funeral. And um, for the last few months, I've been busy with them and trying to just see how they need help and try to support them. And they knew, they, and they knew it was bad, and they knew that his time was coming soon. So we were able to meet and talk and um, able to pray with him and encourage him. And one of the times that we were meeting, and I was meeting with a family, I was talking, and they told me their story. 
right? So they said uh, they grew up and uh, many years ago, they just, they gave up on going to church, right? They're just, they would go, but it was nothing different. It was the same. And there was no impact and nothing was taking place in their life. And so they kind of stopped going. And then their son happened to work with one of our team members uh, that, that comes to, to the Grove. And then during their, their at work during the interactions, uh, one of the days, our team member, uh, she invited their son to come to church with them. And so he said yes to the invitation. It was her donkey. He said, God, you can use my donkey, my relationships. You can use this opportunity. And she gave an invitation. And so the son came. and He liked the service. He thought it was, it was different. It was, we were at the movie theaters, and um, it impacted him. So he invited his, his parents, and his dad said no, and his mom said, yes, I'll come. And so then the mom came with him, and the mom said, when I sat in the service the first time, I just cried the whole service. There was something different. I've been looking for something different, and it, it was what I needed, and it just impacted my life. I came again. I invited my husband. He wouldn't come, and, you know, he kind of like that point where, like, we're kind of just done. You know, we, nothing was different. It was always the same. And so I came again, and she said, and I cried. And then finally they convinced him to come, and he came, and he enjoyed it. He said, wow, that, that's different. Um, I liked it. He said he was encouraged by the, by the music, by the, by the challenges of the message, things like that. And they, they, they loved Jesus. They never gave up on Jesus. They, he loved reading the Bible. That was one of his, his passions. He loved, he loved worship music and, and Christian music that he always had on the TV playing at home. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a problem with Jesus. It was a problem with being inspired or challenged where he was at where he was. And they began to come. And for the last few years, they were faithful in coming to, to the grove. And when I began to meet with them, because we knew his time was coming close, because the cancer was developing more and more, and uh, it was going to happen, we began to have those conversations about, do you have peace? Are you ready? And they were. And yesterday's funeral, I've been to some funerals I've been a part of, they're really hard to do, because I don't know the person very good, or I, I, I really can't be, you know, um, it's just hard to explain somebody's life when you don't really know them well. And because I was able to meet and talk to this, this family, I knew that the family had peace. They were this place where they said, all right, we know God can but we trust him despite whatever takes place, whatever happens. In his conversations, they just put it in God's hand and they said, God, we trust you with what's going on. And it was uh, the relationship with, with, with our church, with our family. They, they wanted to say thank you, you know, first to me, but to the church, just for being so open, for being so loving, having an impact on their family. And having people to come around and walk them through a very difficult season and time in their life. But they have peace. Doesn't not necessarily that it's easy for them to say goodbye to somebody they love, but they have peace. And I'm so grateful for our team members who said, I'm going to use my ability to be able to invite somebody to make an impact in their life. You and I have opportunities almost every single day that we might miss where God is saying, hey, can I, can I borrow your donkey? And we're so busy or we're so maybe sometimes just it's about me, right, that we don't. So I want to teach you something I always teach on Palm Sunday. I think it's one of the best visuals you can see when it comes to prayer, when it comes to trusting God. It's palm down, palms up. So do me a favor. Would you put your palms down just like this? The palms down is kind of like this, right? So most people, they hold on to life like this with their fists clenched tight. Mine, 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 mine. This is my donkey. This is my stuff. And at some point, God is saying, if you really want to follow me, you want to know what it's like, you need to put your palms down just for leaps. So maybe it's like um, you're holding on to some, some bitterness from anger. Maybe you are maybe you have a health issue and you're holding on to it like, God, would you help me with this? He's saying, would you just release that? Would you let go of those things? And when you're maybe in a prayer time, this helps sometimes. It helps you to actually visualize it. You're saying, God, I'm going to release that conversation I had today. I'm going to release those people from those things they said. I'm going to, all the worries and the concerns I have for tomorrow, I'm just going to release. Palms down. We let it go. 
and then palms up. Turn your right hands up, up like this. Now it's saying, God, I receive what you have for me. This is the kind of life God wants us to live. Somebody who's open-handed that says, God, whatever you give, I'm going to pass on. Whatever you do in my life, I'm going to help others. Not like this, like this. What we need to do often is say, God, I release. I trust you. And I, I invite you to lead me in this time. Just palms down. And then God, I receive. Palms up. And you know what's fantastic? When you live this kind of life, you can receive more of what God has for you more often. Because people that live like this, they miss out on the blessings. They miss out on the things that God wants to give them. Because there's a promise God made to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm looking for somebody in this world that I can bless so that they can be a blessing to others. And when you're blessed and you bless others, it just keeps coming and coming. And God continues to bless you because you keep blessing others. But those who say, no, I'm going to hold on to this. This is mine, 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 mine. My donkey, my resources, my things. We don't ever get more. All we have is what we have. We hold on to it. And this is why a lot of people in our world, they live in a stingy way with their, their lives closed because they're saying, but if I give up what I have, I won't have more. And God's kingdom is reversed. He says, if you're released, you'll let go, you'll receive, I'll keep that coming and coming more and more for you. And today, God wants to bless you, but he wants you to be a blessing to others. So my challenge is, would you let God use your donkey? And you know what? Sometimes we're the donkey. Maybe you've even been called a donkey before. You can now say, that's true. <laughs> I, I'm a donkey sometimes. In the Old Testament, there's another story of a donkey that God uses to speak to a man because the man is about to get killed by an angel and the donkey's freaking out because the donkey can see the angel but the man can't and finally the donkey says please stop beating me right have i ever been like this and god uses a donkey to save a man from dying sometimes we're the donkey sometimes our resources are the donkey but would you become that kind of person that just says god i release god i receive and if you do this on a regular basis you become this kind of person that says god i i don't want to control things i don't know how things are going to end up i'm going to give it to you but God, I'm going to receive your peace. God, I'm going to release. I'm going to give it to others, but I'm going to receive whatever you have next. And here's the thing that I have learned. When you do this, you can never outgive God. You want to try it? Try it. The Bible says when you test him in your giving, when you test him by, by being generous, he always gives more provision for you to do even more. It's his way of saying people that are, are blessings to others will always be blessed in their life. And people that are holding on and stingy, they'll never have enough. There'll always be a reason not to do something. So for Palm Sunday, right? The people wanted, they wanted the externals fixed. And God is saying, no, it's the internal. And here's where the internals start. God, it's not mine, it's yours. Whatever I face, I face with you. I trust you for whatever is going to take place. So I release my anger, my resentment, my hurt, whatever it is, to be honest, that I receive your peace. I receive what you have. Can you imagine, just in this room, those watching online, if our church lived this way on a regular basis, what kind of people we'd be? I think we'd look a lot like Jesus. And others would say, there's something different about you. Maybe this, this Easter, maybe your donkey will be an invitation through Instagram or Facebook or in person. Maybe this, this Easter, maybe your, imitate, your, your donkey will be supporting a kid in Haiti or somewhere around the world. Maybe this year, your donkey would be making an impact on somebody's life. What if we became the people that said, God, I say yes to helping transport you into other people's lives. Palm Sunday is not about us getting from God what we want. It's about receiving what God has for us in the way he wants to do it for us. And when it's a difficulty, we trust that the difficulty is for our good, not for our harm. See, Paul, he had something. It was a physical issue. And he said, God, please heal me from this. 
God, please heal me from this. God, please heal me from this. And God did not heal him from it. In fact, God says, I'm not going to take it away. He called it a thorn in his flesh. Some kind of something that was, that was hard. He said, I'm not going to take it away. My grace is sufficient because in the struggle, you're becoming the person I want you to become. And sometimes the difficulty is actually intended to make us stronger, some weight to give us some muscle for the future. And we all need that. You need it. I need it. We don't like it. But when, when Jesus gives us what we like, he's good, right? And we don't give us something we don't like, it's like he's bad. No. He's good both ways. He's good when he takes care of the externals, but he's even better when he takes care of the internal things. And your life doesn't start on the outside. It starts on the inside. So today, God, I release all those things on the inside. Forgive me my sin, right? That's the, the prayer of salvation for, for God saying, God, I need a Savior. I need, I need to follow you. God, I receive your salvation. I receive your peace. God, I release. I receive. Let me tell you one more last part of the story of Palm Sunday. Luke records this. And up to this point, this is more of a warning, and it's important for us to catch it because we don't want to miss it because the people of his day missed it. Luke 19, he says this, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So there's gospel writers record two times of Jesus Christ. He's a human being who loves people. Christ for his friend. And he weeps over our entire city, lost people, because he realizes they want externals, but I want to save them from the internal. I'm going to die on this cross, not to save all the things that go on in this world, but I'm going to save them from themselves, from within. And it says he cried. So when the crowds were cheering, Jesus was crying. Because he was saying, you guys don't even understand what's going on. You're wanting this external thing to be fixed, but your real need is something on the inside. You're struggling to marriage? We focus on the outside, but a lot of times it's an inside thing. You're struggling with finances. We think it's an external thing. It's an internal thing. It's behavior. It's the way we program ourselves to spend and to think about those things. God always wants to start from the inside. He says he wept because he says you, if you, even you, I think you can apply it to you today talking to you. If you, even you, had only known this day, what would bring you peace? It's the inside, not the externals. But he says, but now it's hidden from your eyes. When we want God to be for us and only want him to be what we want, everything else is hidden from our eyes because we're doing this. But the moment we say, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to release my expectations. I'm going to release what I've been wanting, and I'm going to receive what you have. I'm going to live this way. Then he begins to help us to see what we don't see. He goes on and says, um, the days will come when your enemies come. He's talking about the people of Israel. He's crying because he understands that just in a few years, they're going to be invaded. They're going to be, a lot of them are going to be killed and destroyed. And the whole time they're thinking, fix the externals. And he's saying, I'm here to fix the internals. He says, they will not leave one stone on another because you do not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Today is the time of God's coming to us. Today. See, many people live like, one day I'll take care of that down the road. Down the road is where you miss it. It's always today. God's kingdom is always about today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God made for you to live in. It's not tomorrow. It's not later. Fix things. It's, let's fix things now. And he tells the people in, in Jerusalem, when he's coming in crying, he says, you've missed it. You did not understand and recognize what God was doing. It was unexpected. Because God's kingdom is internal, not only external. 
and we always have to start with the inside. So maybe you're here today, and as I talked about this, maybe you're not following Jesus, or you're doing your own thing, or maybe you're that person that says, one day I'll stop doing those things, one day I'll take care of that addiction, one day I'll stop whatever. you got to say, that's not how my kingdom works. It always starts today, and it always starts on the inside. So maybe today, you'd be brave enough to acknowledge and admit that you're in need of a Savior. I mean, people said, save me. They acknowledged it, but they were talking about the externals. And really, he's saying, you need to ask to start on the inside first. Maybe today you're here, and you'd say, that's me. I need to follow Christ. I I want to begin this journey of following him. Being a Christian, a Jesus follower, means that we follow his example. And his example is humility, not pride. His example is not selfishness, but it's serving, it's giving, it's being generous. His example is saying, it's not about me, but it's about what God wants to do through me. Do me a favor, would you close your eyes and bow your head today? And If you're in this room, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in a second. And uh, I'm not going to call you up to the front, but just pray right there in your seat. And if you're watching online and you want to pray this prayer with us, maybe today you've been holding on like this, and today God is saying, would you just release, would you receive? If you're here today, and you would say, that's me. I don't want to miss what God's doing. I don't want to miss this opportunity. Today is the day that I choose to follow his lead, his example. Today is the day that I go all in. That's you. Would you just lift your hand right there where you're at in your seat? Awesome. So these few hands. Anybody else? That's me. Today I choose, I choose Jesus. So good. If you're watching online, you want to pray this with us? Would you pray this? And for the rest of us in this room, maybe even this moment, would you get those things in your hands that you're releasing? Control of your life, right? And you would just release it and say, God, I give it to you, right? Maybe as we pray this prayer, you'd open your hands and say, God, I receive now. So pray this with me. And the rest of us in this room, if you didn't raise your hand, would you still pray so that those who raise their hand are not prayed alone? With your hands down, would you say this right now? Say, Father God, would you forgive me? My mistakes, my choices, my sin that led me away from you. Today, I want to choose you. Be the Lord of my life. Lead me and guide me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us an example of how to live. Thank you that he died on that cross to solve the sin problem in my life, to give me new life. Thank you that he rose from the dead that gives me hope that I have a home in heaven and so today I put my trust in you would you put your palms up God I receive what you have for me I receive your peace I receive your hope I receive your love I receive your blessings help me to be a blessing to others help me to live for you today I say yes to you in Jesus name I pray Come on, church. Let's celebrate all those that prayed the prayer in the room, online. So good.